In Rogers v. Kemp, 2023, ARC App 302, the Arkansas Court of Appeals, affirming a summary judgment order, addressed a case where a trust provided minimum funding for a beneficiary of $250,000 and this was not done, and held there was no error. Other issues of interest were whether the one-year statute of limitations had expired to bring a claim against the trustee and whether the 6% interest rate was proper. Judge Gruber wrote, quote, Appellate Ellen Rogers appeals from an order of the Pulaski County Circuit Court granting summary judgment to appellee Rebecca Loyful Kemp on her complaint alleging that Ellen breached multiple duties as the sole trustee of two trusts. In addition to granting summary judgment in favor of Rebecca, the order also ruled on various other motions, including the denial of Ellen's motion to compel discovery, which Ellen also challenges on appeal. We affirm. Rebecca filed a complaint on February 4, 2020, alleging that Ellen had breached multiple duties as the sole trustee of both trusts. These duties included the duty to administer Margaret's trust in good faith and in accordance with its terms and purposes and in the interest of the beneficiary, the duty of loyalty, the duty of impartiality, the duty to inform and report on Rebecca's trust, and the duty to inform and report on Margaret's trust. In her prayer for relief, Rebecca asked the court to order Ellen, as trustee of Margaret's trust, to transfer $250,000 plus interest at 6% per annum from April 3, 2016, date of Margaret's death, from Margaret's trust to Rebecca's trust. In addition, Rebecca asked the court to order Ellen to provide complete accountings for both trusts, to enjoin Ellen from making disbursements from either trust until the court ordered otherwise, to remove Ellen as trustee of both trusts and appoint successor trustees, to order Ellen to pay damages in an amount required to restore the value of the trust property and trust distributions to what they would have been if the breaches had not occurred, and to award Rebecca cost, expenses, and attorney's fees. Ellen filed an answer on March 31, 2020, which affirmatively pled the statute of limitations as a defense and that she should receive a credit for amounts Rebecca had already received for her education. On April 24, Rebecca moved for summary judgment, asserting that in light of the undisputed facts, she was entitled to judgment as a matter of law because Ellen had not transferred the $250,000 valued at the date of Margaret's death from Margaret's trust to Rebecca's trust and had breached the various duties alleged in the complaint. In her May 29 response, Ellen argued that issues of material fact remain, which included how much money had already been spent on Rebecca's behalf and Margaret's intent with respect to the provisions of the trusts. The response also requested a continuance to allow her to conduct further discovery. On June 3, Ellen filed a motion to compel answers to several interrogatories and requests for production of documents to which Rebecca had objected. Rebecca responded on June 22, arguing that any money Margaret previously spent on her education had no bearing on the case. On July 29, Ellen filed a motion for summary judgment based on the statute of limitations, which was followed by an amended answer and counterclaim filed on August 6. Rebecca filed a response to Ellen's summary judgment motion on August 24, and a motion to strike or alternatively dismiss Ellen's counterclaim on September 4. Following an October 26 hearing, 
the circuit court entered an order on November 2 styled Order Granting Summary Judgment and Addressing Pending Motions. The circuit court granted Rebecca's motion for summary judgment, denied as moot Ellen's motion to compel, denied Ellen's motion for summary judgment, granted Rebecca's motion to strike or, in the alternative, to dismiss Ellen's counterclaim, and denied Ellen's motion to strike Rebecca's response in opposition to Ellen's motion for summary judgment. The circuit court ordered Ellen, as trustee of Margaret's trust, to transfer $250,000 plus interest at 6% per annum, compounded annually from April 3, 2016, through the date of payment, from Margaret's trust to Rebecca's trust, enjoined Ellen from making any other disbursements from either trust until further orders of the court, ordered Ellen to provide complete accountings for both trusts, including, without limitation, all information described in ARC Code and Section 2873-813-C1, and reserved the right to determine the amount of cost, expenses, and attorney's fees. On November 4, Ellen filed notice of funding Rebecca's trust in the amount of $326,000, as well as a motion asking the circuit court to reconsider its order requiring Ellen to provide an accounting of Margaret's trust, given that Rebecca's trust had been funded. Ellen filed a notice of appeal on November 6, appealing the November 2 order. Lack of Ambiguity Regarding Funding In looking at the four corners of Margaret's trust as amended, we agree that the language used is unambiguous. The Fourth Amendment provides that if Rebecca's trust had not been funded prior to Margaret's death up to $250,000, then the trustees shall distribute the amount necessary to bring the funding up to $250,000, valued at the date of Margaret's death. It is undisputed that the 2014 Education Trust for Rebecca revoked the 1996 trust and that the 2014 trust had not been funded. Ellen's only contention is that she was entitled to the various offsets or credits previously addressed. There is no indication from the plain language of Margaret's trust and its Fourth Amendment that she had such an intent. Extrinsic evidence may be received on the issue of the testator's or grantor's intent if the terms of the will or trust are ambiguous. Because the language of Margaret's trust is unambiguous, no genuine issues of material fact remained. Therefore, we hold that the circuit court did not err in granting Rebecca's motion for summary judgment. End of quote. There were several issues on appeal, one of which was whether the statute of limitations for this claim had expired. Statute of Limitations for Bringing Claim Against Trustee Quote, Ellen first argues that the circuit court erred in granting summary judgment because Rebecca's complaint was barred by the statute of limitations. Rebecca's complaint asserted multiple causes of action for breach of trust under the Arkansas Trust Code, or ATC, based on Ellen's breach of duties as a trustee of both trusts. Arkansas Code Annotated Section 2873 1005 contains the ATC's limitations periods and provides as follows. A. A beneficiary may not commence a proceeding against a trustee for breach of trust more than one year after the date the beneficiary or a representative of the beneficiary was sent a report that adequately disclosed the existence of a potential claim for breach of trust and informed the beneficiary of the time allowed for commencing a proceeding. B. 
A report adequately discloses the existence of a potential claim for breach of trust if it provides sufficient information so that the beneficiary or representative knows of the potential claim or should have inquired into its existence. C. If subsection A does not apply, a judicial proceeding by a beneficiary against a trustee for breach of trust must be commenced within five years after the first to occur of 1. The removal, resignation, or death of the trustee. 2. The termination of the beneficiary's interest in the trust. Or 3. The termination of the trust. Art Code and Section 2873-1005. According to their briefs, both parties appear to agree that Section 2873-1005A applies to this case. Ellen contends that in a March 6, 2018 letter, Rebecca's attorney made it clear that a potential claim for breach of trust was known. Ellen further asserts that her attorney in a May 2, 2018 letter threw down the gauntlet, and Rebecca knew at this time that there was going to be a dispute over funding her trust. The May 2 letter states that Ellen needed an accounting as to how much Rebecca had already received. Ellen contends that the one-year statute of limitations was triggered at that time, and Rebecca's complaint was not filed until February 4, 2020. Rebecca argues that, one, Ellen never informed Rebecca of the time allowed for commencing the proceeding, two, Ellen never adequately disclosed the existence of a breach of trust, and three, Ellen never provided Rebecca with a report. In her reply brief, Ellen asserts that she was not required to use magic words to commence the running of the statute of limitations because that would be placing form over substance. Under the plain language of the statute, the one-year statute of limitations for an action against a trustee for breach of trust begins to run after a representative of the beneficiary was sent a report that adequately disclosed the existence of a potential claim for breach of trust and inform the beneficiary of the time allowed for commencing a proceeding. Art Code and Section 2873-1005A. See also Peck v. Peck, 2019, ARC App 190. Although Ellen argues that the May 2 letter disclosed a breach of duty, she makes no argument that she informed Rebecca of the time allowed for commencing a proceeding, which is a requirement of the statute. As a result, the statute of limitations did not begin to run on May 2. Because this statutory requirement was not met, we need not address whether the May 2 letter adequately disclosed a breach of trust. Ellen acknowledges in her brief that Rebecca's complaint falls under the Arkansas Trust Code, and we agree. Therefore, we do not address Ellen's alternative argument that to the extent Rebecca's claim should have been filed against Margaret's estate, it was barred by the statute of non-claim codified at Arkansas Code Annotated Section 2850101. End of quote. Correct interest rate. Another argument was whether the correct interest rate applied. The trial court awarded 6%, and here the Court of Appeals also affirmed. Quote, Outside of asking for a hearing on damages and stating that there was law out there that it's not 6% anymore, Ellen never argued a specific rate should be applied. We hold that, under these facts, the circuit court did not err as a matter of law in ordering Ellen to transfer $250,000 plus interest at 6% per annum from the date of Margaret's death. End of quote. End of decision.